Welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson. We exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. We're coming back at you with another Real Life Stories edition of the Grace Point Daily Podcast. We're going to be talking to some missionaries today, Bob and Jackie Broswell, missionaries to Africa. So this is going to be super exciting. Those of you that know me or partially know me or have listened to podcasts, you know that I am an Africa junkie. It is the birthplace of Jeremiah Johnson for missions. Uh, Back in the day, my first ever short-term missions trip was to Uganda, Africa, and I've been absolutely addicted ever since then. So I'm going to be excited to talk to these guys today. Hey, I am so grateful for those of you that listen to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Like, share, and subscribe. And I am encouraging you to please, please share these missionary stories, powerful missionary stories of calling and it just, I am, I'm excited, but I'm frustrated all at the same time because every now, every time we have one of these amazing stories, missionary stories, I want to just be a missionary and I'm reduced to being stuck here in Southwest Missouri as a pastor of Grace Point, which is an amazing job. So I'm, I'm not going to complain about that, but okay, enough about me. Let's get to these missionaries and this missionary story that we have today, Bob and Jackie Broswell. Hey, Bob and Jackie, thanks for joining us on the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Thank you for having us. You got to hear me whine a second there about how I long to be back in Africa. And I already told you that before we started the show. (laughs) I I resonated with that. I was remembering the days I I worked for 13 years at some was a God world missions uh, at headquarters before we went to the mission field. And so uh, what what you were expressing was, was about uh, uh, the 13 year journey that I had (laughs) Wow. And I'm, I'm really excited to be able to have someone on the show that can talk to me about Biltong and we can talk all about the best Biltong shops in South Africa. We tried to bring some back once, but the, the sniffer dogs at the airport got it. Okay. Well, you got, you guys, I'm sure have heard of the grocery store Aldi's, right? Yeah. Okay. I was in Aldi's the other day and I'm shopping and I'm walking through the aisle and all of a sudden I look to the right and in the kind of small beef jerky section, all of a sudden I see a whole box of, uh, of beef jerky labeled on the front in big letters, Bill Tong. And oh my word. It was amazing. <laughs> I about got slain in the spirit. I was like, uh, you know, <laughs> angel, angel started singing and I got some Bill Tong and I had a wonderful day. <laughs> good for you yeah. so, i'm gonna have to check out our album, yeah. <laughs> if you don't know what biltong is it's just kind of beef jerky thin sliced beef jerky and it's just really except, good except uh it may not be beef correct it, it may be any kind of african animal that uh, yeah uh, the dried flesh turns to jerky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, kudu, I'm, ostrich, yeah. <laughs> springbok. I'm a good old Nebraska boy. So, uh, hey, as long as it takes like, tastes like good meat, I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, enough, enough Bill Tong talk. That's our audience is like, what is happening right now? Anyway, but, uh, <laughs> Bob and Jackie, a missionaries to Africa. Give us a, for those that are listening, give us a quick bio of who you are. Okay, uh, I was born in uh, Stillwater, Oklahoma. Grew up on a dairy farm. Um, went to Evangel, met Jackie there. Uh, we got married, and uh, she was a nurse. And uh, I'll let her give her her side of the bio. I won't try to fill in her side as well. But anyway, well, we 
uh, felt called to missions, uh, but had a hard time getting to the field. And so we worked in various jobs until we were 48 years old uh, when we finally landed in Africa. I'm Jackie. I was born in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Grew up in a pastor's house, Ooh. Assemblies of God pastor. Wow. Yay, PKs. Hey, and, my, stop you real quick. My greatest hero of the faith, hands down, uh, who recently passed away a couple years ago, Pastor Ron Alk, Kenosha, Wisconsin. Oh, wow. That's wow. my, well, my see, hero of the faith. I don't know him. I was born there, but my dad was pastoring in Ohio, so I only actually lived in Kenosha for six weeks, but okay. I still claim Wisconsin, and <laughs> Packers right. are the best team. I'm sorry. I had to, had to insert yeah. that in there. Praise God. <laughs> no, I, I have been to Kenosha a number of times. I love it. I, I love Wisconsin, so praise the Lord. Yeah, it's a great city. Wow. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. It's such a small world. The more people you interact with, the more people that you meet. So the cheese yeah. castle, if you are in Kenosha, Wisconsin, now we, we're transitioning from Biltong to cheese. So if you're yeah. in Kenosha, Wisconsin, <laughs> there is the cheese castle. Highly recommend it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it must be lunchtime. <laughs> yeah, it is. That is true. So anyway, let's talk a little bit about your stories uh, individually. Bob, did you grow up in a Christian home or what was your spiritual upbringing? Yeah, my dad was a deacon in our local Assemblies of God church. Um, and we had uh, close relationships with, with our pastors growing up. Uh, often we had... Uh, young pastors the same age as my parents and they'd have kids our age uh kids my age and uh so it was um you know church family had a, had a different meaning in those days than i think it does now mm-hmm. but uh, we were eating in each other's homes and and that's part of my mission story as well we had had uh whenever missionaries visited the church uh we would have meals with them in our home. And uh, so that was say uh, a big influence on me growing up. Wow. Uh, we're going to, I feel like we're going to just dive right into this, these, some of these amazing spiritual truths. But one thing I would, uh, so I'm a first generation pastor, uh, Christian, excuse me, first generation pastor, in my family as well, but I have two girls that are graduating high school. They're going to be missionaries. They want to be missionaries. And so I'm super excited cool. for that. And, yeah. and they've been to Africa a bunch of times, all this kind of stuff. But one thing I talk about is for them that I feel is important is the importance of interaction. That is that I'm trying to get them to rub shoulders with as many amazing people of God as I can in hopes that that will rub off on them. And we haven't really dived into your story in depth, but it sounds like you're, it sounds like we're already starting to hear that part of the reason you are where you are today is because you got to interact with some amazing people. Yeah. 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 I think, uh, uh, kids can only imagine themselves in roles that they have seen. And, uh, uh, if, if missionaries are, uh, too far away, too removed in some other universe from the one they live in, uh, it makes it very difficult for them to imagine themselves becoming missionaries. 
Yeah. Hearing, hearing and seeing are very powerful things. And I've, I've said this before as a pastor, you know, not that has never been a full-time missionary, but has done a lot of short-term missions. I've always brought up this other truth, or I believe reality is that your kids don't want to hear about missions. They want to see missions and they want to see you doing missions. So here's what I mean. Like I've been on a bunch of short-term missions trip, but I missions trips, but I've always made it a priority that I'm not going on them by myself, but I'm taking my family with me because I don't want to just go to Africa and come back and tell my kids, Hey kids, Africa is so amazing. I've taken them with me so that they can see it with their own eyeballs. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. That's great. So I just, I just really believe in that, you know, not just hearing, but seeing and letting them see missions. And so it sounds like you got to hear and see these missionaries and it's very impactful to you as a young person. Yeah. I would like to say though, not everybody can afford to do that. Yes. (laughs) Like when we were growing up, I mean, when we were married and we had kids, three kids, we could not afford Mm -hmm. hardly even to get to California, much less to a different (laughs) country. Yeah. So I think nowadays, though, you have so many opportunities with with the Internet. I mean, I know you have to be careful, but you can look up countries and you can see footage and missionary stories. You can read the books. I mean, there's so many ways to expose your kids to missions that they don't have to. If finance is prohibited, it doesn't have to be another country, but like missionary stories, reading the books, mm-hmm. that really, that helped yes. me. Besides being a pastor's kid, I also got to meet the missionaries and eat with them. But even reading their stories, that, it affected me. It helped me. Wow. Let's yeah. let's yeah. bounce back to you in just a second, Jackie. But Bob, let's complete this thought here. You were uh, grew up in a Christian home. Uh, when did the call come? It, did you get the call as you were a kid, a teenager? How did that happen for you? Well, uh, I had this sense of uh, every time a missionary gave an altar call and said, you know, the Lord wants people for wherever that missionary was from. Uh, I had a sense that he was talking to me and that uh, that I needed to be willing to go wherever it was. And so I felt called to whichever place the most recent missionary was from and uh, just (laughs) grew up that way, not really knowing uh, by the time I reached adulthood, not really having a a clear focus of where in the world I should be uh, headed, but feeling that I had uh, a calling on my life to missions and uh, that it would manifest itself as the Lord continued to lead. Wow. Now, Jackie, you had just mentioned a second ago, you grew up, you're a pastor's kid, grew up in a pastor's home. So explain, uh, walk me through that growing up as a a pastor's kid. Okay. Well, my dad was, he later, when, after I got married, he be, he and my mom became missionaries, but he was very missions minded like you. And so we always had missionaries in the church. And that meant that every Usually Saturday night, they would sleep in our home, um, but for sure every Sunday afternoon, because we didn't go to restaurants back then, we would have them in our house and just gather. We'd be around the table and get to talk to the missionaries. And for me, it wasn't uh, a call just in general. It was definitely Africa. 
Okay. <laughs> I was called to Africa, not a specific country, but to the continent of Africa. Wow. And was that, was that as a kid or a teenager or just when did that happen for you? I was in high school. I don't remember a specific moment, but I do remember I was probably about 15 or 16 years old and I came it was after church one time and I told my mom and dad that I felt like I was called to be a missionary in Africa and I was super shy. I could not talk in high school. I never raised my hand. I did not talk to anybody. I was so shy. And so my parents said, well, how is that going to work? And I said, well, I'm going to be a missionary to hermits. I'm going to live in a cave at, and other hermits will live in other caves. And once a month, I'll go around and visit them and tell them about Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was my early idea. It kind of developed from there. Okay. <laughs> hey, there's a, there is a place for everyone in missions, isn't there, Jackie? Right? <laughs> That's right. There Her, is. Hermits needs Jesus. Everyone needs Jesus. So praise, <laughs> praise God for that. Uh, wow. that That's so great, though. But that is a very important calling, I think. Um, you know, there are things that have changed that are, that are good and bad. And one of the good things that I think is, is changing in terms of missions is that we now have missionaries that do all kinds of different things. So, you know, in the past is like, well, if you're not a preacher, how can you be a missionary? Well, you don't have to be a preacher to be a missionary. I mean, there's some, I I was talking to a missionary just the other day who is not a speaker, who's not a preacher, who's not an evangelist, who's not an outreach guy, but he's an excellent engineer and he has been able to design very fluid and uh, easy to build tabernacles, AKA churches in Africa. And that's important, hugely important. And so if if he would have been limited to just like, well, you don't preach or teach or do some of those standard ministry things, he would never be a missionary. So I love that there's a place for missions for everyone, a place in missions for everyone. I love that too. Yeah. Where did you guys now, you guys both grew up in Christian homes. Did you guys meet in Bible college or how did you guys get connected? (laughs) Yeah. uh, I was her brother's roommate at Evangel. Okay. Now now the real story begins here. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) uh, that's the short version. The, the, the long one. version is he stalked me and kept after me until I finally said yes. Okay. <laughs> That's not the long, long version, but we'll, we'll settle there. Okay. So, okay. Repeat that again. Your roommates. Yeah. I was a roommate with her brother. With her brother. Okay. And so yeah. was he an advocate of this relationship or did he introduce you or how did, how did that happen? Uh, well, uh, we met through him, but at that time, uh, there was nothing between us. But uh, later, after he left Evangel and went to a different school to study engineering, by the way, um, Jackie had a dinner for his former sweetmates. Uh, because she was missing her brother, I guess. I felt sorry for these guys who didn't get to go home for, you know, for a good meal. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Little did she know that I only lived, my parents lived at Ozark. And so 
That, yeah, if I had known that, I would not have invited him over, and we never would have been gotten to meet each other. Really, got to know each other. Okay. So by by the time she invited me over, I was uh, realizing my my time at Evangel was drawing to a close, and I needed to find a wife. Okay. Because uh, <laughs> my 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 chances of finding the right kind of person would greatly diminish after I left. Evangel. Okay. So window so of opportunity I, is closing. Right. And I, <laughs> so I actually made a list of all of the attributes that I felt. Uh, and, and I had had a, a relationship that wasn't as good as, I mean, it, it was something I felt God was trying to, to lead me away from. So in the aftermath of that, I had six months of no dating and just praying about it and making this list of attributes of, of the kind of godly wife I was looking for. And uh, it was at the end of this six months that she invited me over. And in that short meeting, I realized that she ticked all the boxes on my list. And so I had decided to marry her before we ever had a date and uh, it it was quite the campaign to kind of spring this on her gradually. <laughs> okay. Did you happen to like, did, is that one of the lines you, you threw at her, like in the early stages, like, Jackie, you check all the boxes. Did you ever throw that one? That, yeah, I'm sure I said something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and she just was so smitten by that and just like, okay, I want to marry you right now as well. So, Actually, uh, she was running as hard as she could in the other direction. Okay. <laughs> Jackie, where were where were you at? Were you focused on God? Were you wanting a mate or a partner? Or where were you at in that process? It sounds like no, I was focused on God. I was working as a nurse in intensive care nights and going to school days full time, and I had no time for boys. And I told him that I have no time for you, and. He just started showing up wherever I was, and he just wore me down, really. That's how it happened. Okay. <laughs> different different ways to accomplish different goals, I guess, you know. <laughs> yeah. The only reason, though, that he was allowed even that close was because he also was called to be a missionary. Okay. If he had not been, I would not have even entertained anything. Okay. Well. Were you wanting, Jackie, were you wanting to be a medical missionary or you're working as a nurse? So what was, what was your thought being a, a nurse and being a missionary? What were, what were you thinking yeah. at that time? Were you going to be a medical missionary or how, what was you, what were you thinking? That's a good question. I had, I did not picture myself getting married actually. Um, I mean, I, I wanted to, but I didn't, it wasn't prime top of my list, I figured the only way that I could get to be a missionary was to be a nurse, just because those were the kinds of stories that I had been hearing and reading for single women, mm -hmm. that they were all nurses. Okay. So that's why I became a nurse, was to become huh. missionary. Okay. So were you actively pursuing missions at the time then? Were you, were, were you like applying? Or I mean, I know for the sake of I mean, people that listen to this podcast aren't necessarily connected with the sons of God, but were you trying applying with the sons of God or other organizations to be a missionary or what were you doing at that time? 
No, not yet, because I knew I was too young. I was 21, 22 years old. We got married when I was 22. So I was 21, uh, pursuing my degree, just pursuing all of the uh, the preliminary steps. preliminary steps that I figured I would have to have to become a missionary. Okay. So I, I was volunteering in the church, working with kids. I was also in the choir. I was working as a nurse, um, getting my degree, my bachelor's degree, so that I would have the qualifications, so that wherever I ended up, I could I could work for God. Wow, that's awesome. Well, it sound sounded like the chase was on here, and here comes <laughs> here comes Bob, you know, in his relentless pursuit, and you yeah. weren't you weren't immediately. Uh, on the same page, if you will. Well, did you have to have a moment or did you have a, a, a really a moment with Jesus where he's like, no, Jackie, this is what I want for you or what, what happened there to begin to embrace this guy named Bob coming after you? Well, you know, I wish it had happened like that. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been really great. Okay. <laughs> what happened is he actually, he just wore me down. He asked me to go out on a date so often. That was the first words out of his mouth every time he saw me. Will you go out with me? And I said, no, I don't have time. In my spare time, I sleep. That's my my thing. And finally, he just, I finally started saying yes, just so that he'd let, leave me alone. That's okay. not quite the right thing. Well, it, this might be instructive for some young man out there. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Clarify here. My my thing was uh, I recognized that this was the kind of person that would make me a better person if I could get her into my life, and also uh, my strategy was to become instrumental in her spiritual life so mm -hmm. that she felt uh, that I was the kind of person she could come to with, with spiritual questions. And actually, she began to do that before uh, she actually went on a date with me. Uh, so it was, it was one of those uh, issues of trying to be uh, a, a person of the kind of character that the kind of person that I wanted to marry would want to marry me. Mm -hmm. that, yeah. that was the pursuit. And so it wasn't just stalking as, <laughs> as she puts phrasing. No, it wasn't. <laughs> you were, it you, was, <laughs> you weren't just a creeper. I get it. Okay, Bob. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we were friends and spiritual. Yeah, we talked friends. about uh, before. You know, that some of the things that are hard questions. Uh, we would we would wrestle with them together, and so it was. Um, I mean, our 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 place to meet before we actually dated was at the library. Yeah, Evangel Library. At okay. the Evangel Library, and and we would study together. So. Wow. Hey, this, this is a great story. This is letting people know you're humans, you're real people. And you yeah. probably, you know, there is a story in the Bible, Bob, about the persistent widow. Have you read that one before? I have, I have read that one. Sounds like you very much identify with her in regards oh, yeah. to this particular story. So, yeah. Uh, so you guys finally 
get married and, you know, decide that you are, each of you are the one for each other. When you get married, do you now, in, again, in, in context of missions, were you like, okay, we're going to get married and a year from now we're going to be missionaries. What were your thoughts in terms of missions after you got married? I think our first time to apply for missions was after our second child was born because yeah. we, we thought we had, we were going to take some time to get to know each other and to, uh, to have our kids. And uh, so we had kids quickly. Yeah. So when he says after our second child was born, that was about year three of our marriage. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, we had been married about three years and we applied. Yeah. With two kids. Okay. But you, two little kids. Yeah. And were you working secular or what would be considered secular jobs or were you in a local church or ministry type positions? What were you doing? Yeah, secular jobs. Jackie was nursing. She was working at a hospital. I was doing whatever I could. In those days, I was having a hard time uh, finding a job as a, a, a my, I was an English major. And I came out with a teaching certificate in high school English. But uh, at that time, the, those jobs were hard to find. So I was doing whatever I could find to do. Uh, did some carpentry work, some part-time labor, um, anything I could do. We were also helping in the church. So we were teaching a young adult Sunday school class and Mm-hmm. Um, children's church. We were doing both of those. I see. So you apply if a few years after marriage, you have a couple kids, what happens? They, they said, no, we were turned down. <laughs> okay. And was um, that because they w- did Bob tell the whole story about chasing you? Is that what happened there? Or? <laughs> no, although I'm sure that would okay. have done it. We actually applied for not um, missionaries, uh, full-time missionaries, because at that time we were not qualified. At that time, it was like you said before, to be a missionary, you had to have pastored a church okay. um, for two years. And we we never felt called to be pastors. Mm-hmm. We just couldn't do that. We weren't called to do that. And so we applied for a two-year assignment to help a missionary um, over in Belgium. And we were turned down. For good reasons, because we would have had to raise a lot of finances. It's expensive to live in Belgium. And basically, only Bob would have been able to work because our kids were so little. I would have spent most of my time taking care of them. Mm -hmm. And so it made sense. They didn't say, you're heathens, you cannot be missionaries. Okay. (laughs) But, But actually, in hindsight, it was a good thing because... During that time when we would have been in Belgium, I became pregnant with our third child, mm-hmm. and um, the missionary left the field. So we would have been stranded in Belgium with not enough money and the missionary gone that we were working with. Wow. So God's hand was in it, but at the time, we were devastated. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you probably felt a level of disappointment, and did that lead to questioning your calling or missions? Did, what did you feel after that? Were you kind of like, well, I guess we'll just, I'll yeah, be a nurse? It, and It was confusion. Uh, we, we wanted to respond to the call, but at the same time, uh, 
when we tried, we we were not uh, welcomed in the way that we had expected to be. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it was just confusion as to what to do next. Wow. Yeah. yeah and I think I at first I was very confused. But then I think, you know, after a few weeks, I think in my heart, I thought, OK, we just not aren't prepared enough. Yeah. Timing's not. So right. the timing's not right. So it wasn't like a slap down. You can never be a missionary. It was OK. This timing mm-hmm. is not right. Mm hmm. Wow. I have a story. I, I, this, this podcast is about you, but I, I think this story might clarify and help some people because sometimes God calls us to do things and it doesn't happen or it doesn't happen in that time. And it brings us a little bit of confusion. And uh, so for example, when I took on my first lead pastor job, I remember a year prior, I was at a district council and it was in the middle of worship. It was no speaker. And I heard God say to me, Jeremiah, I'm preparing you to be a lead pastor. Uh, I then went the next week, I sat down with the lead pastor of the church I was serving at and said, Hey, I felt like God uh, shared this to me and I want, you're my mentor and, and I want your advice. And, uh, so anyway, he communicated that and I said, I don't know if I'm ready to do this right now. Anyway, he resigned a year or two later and then that church, uh, that I was working at, you know, he resigned and I, I said, well, should I put in my resume here? Maybe this is church where I'm supposed to pastor. And anyway, I ended up able to interview and it came down to me and another, one other guy for that church that I was working at. And I remember a Saturday night that the lead deacon called me up and said, Hey, Jeremiah, we appreciate your desire to be a lead pastor and, you know, interviewing and, but, uh, you know, we're going another direction. And I remember yeah. m- Monday I came back into church in the office and I went into the, the, the sanctuary and I laid down, I just laid down on the stage and I, I was kind of confused and frustrated. And I was like, well, God, you told, see a year ago, you told me to be a lead pastor. Uh, I was going to be a lead pastor. And h- here I stepped out and, you know, and now you said no. And I remember God was like, well, Jeremiah, I never said you were going to be the lead pastor of this church. Yeah. Yeah. I never said you were, you know, and, and so it was kind of a, re, a, a healthy rebuke session I had with the Holy Spirit to kind of say, Jeremiah, I, what you heard from me was true, but you started to create your own storyline, which I did not write. And yeah. so what I'm trying to tell people that might be listening today is I, I bet you anything, some of the things that God has told you that he wants you to do are tr- absolutely true. And maybe they haven't come to pass yet because you're trying to write the storyline. And sometimes in our spiritual journey, we have to just stop writing the storyline and just submit to the process God has for us. Yeah. Right. That is good. That's good. So anyway, you get, I'm sure what felt like rejection and where do you go from there the next few years? Well, I, I've always, uh, looked back to the last thing I was good at (laughs) seven years into our marriage. I, I looked back and I said, you know, the last thing I was ever good at was going to school. So I decided to go back to school and, uh, I went and got a master's in education at the University of Tulsa. We were living in Oklahoma at the time. And during that process, uh, one of my professors recommended me for a doctorate at uh, Florida State University. So I went to the Florida State University and I pursued a doctorate in cross-cultural communication originally. Uh, it, it morphed into a, a communication research and theory, but uh, 
the idea of cross-cultural communication was was with missions in mind. Mm. And uh, we uh, we were there in Tallahassee, Florida, while I was attending uh, Florida State. And I had one of those events of lying on the altar. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, just as you had described it, because I had uh, clearly in my mind a, a scenario, but it wasn't working out. We had applied again as I was finishing up my my PhD. Okay. And uh, uh, sent two resumes to two different branches of Assemblies of God World Missions, and uh, neither one of them really knew what to do with us. So uh, that was another closed door, and I wasn't sure how to interpret it. So what actually happened is I got an opportunity to move back to Springfield, Missouri, to teach at Drury College. And I came back to Springfield with the idea in mind of being close to headquarters and going over to AGWM and worming my way in. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> yeah. It's like everything we did was focused on how can we get to be missionaries for mm-hmm. forcing ourselves into being missionary. Yeah. Everything, everything except pastoring, which yeah. <laughs> to us, uh, and this is a funny thing about calling, you know, a lot of a lot of people assume that if we were called to be missionaries, uh, then we were called to be pastors. But to me, right. the pastoral calling was yep. way too holy to be treated <laughs> as a means to an end. It yeah. was not a stopover on the way to somewhere else. Mm. And Crazy. and I could not I could not do that we couldn't do it i mean it's not that i didn't feel i could go through the motions yeah i I could have gone through the motions it's that i didn't feel it was right and what is the point of doing something you don't feel is right if if your whole thing is trying to uh, pursue god's will in your life so um we we never did that and so at, in those days, that left people very confused about what to do with us. Hmm. Wow. And so um, I, I actually, with, with my doctorate, I taught for two years at Drury, but while I was over there, I helped to start a missions research department in Assemblies of God World Missions. Okay. And... Uh, then I got hired to be the, the lead researcher in the missions research department at Assemblies God World Missions. Well, that was after we applied to be missionaries for the third time. <laughs> wow. Instead of then saying, okay, now you can be missionaries, they hired him to do research here in Springfield, Missouri. Wow. Wow. So wow. that was another no. Wow. Yeah. Well, to I mean, me, to, I took it as a no. Right. So you are, I mean, Bob, the one good thing is someday in heaven, we're going to be sitting up there and I'm going to look over there and you're going to be over there sitting down with Abraham and and I'll walk by and you'll be saying to him like, (laughs) 
hey, I had to wait longer, dude. Okay. I had to wait longer. <laughs> so settle down. Okay. I know what it's like. Exactly. Exactly. I know what it's like to wait, but it's really, I mean, we joked around your, your story of getting together and meeting one another. I mean, you really do have a, a persistent spirit. You, you, you would have to, to be in a sense, uh, not probably the best word, but rejected or turned down uh, multiple times, but to still have that heart to say, God has called me to be a missionary and I'm going to keep pursuing this. Some would say stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I appreciate you calling it persistent. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, it's, uh, God uses all the attributes of our personality and every, every strength has a corresponding weakness, but every weakness has a corresponding strength. And so mm. the, the, uh, the persistence or stubbornness, whichever it was, uh, just kept coming it it kept you know i can do something else for a year because this is what the lord showed me to do this year but at the end of that i'm going to come right back around to the same question and being the same person as i was this time last year Hmm. wow so when did when did the moment finally happen for you the the (laughs) the 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 yes moment the approval moment talk to me about that I had worked at headquarters for 13 years uh, in various departments at headquarters. My uh, office was just two offices down from the office of Mike McLaughlin, who at that time was the administrator of AGWM. And uh, Mike got elected to be the regional director of Africa. So he was going to leave his post as as uh, administrator to go be the regional director for for Africa and 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 he knew so i walked into his office and i said congratulations on being elected i know this is close to your heart and he said how would you like to go to africa Mm-hmm. <laughs> all that chasing that we did, all of that trying to force the door open that we did. And when it was God's time, he threw the door open. Wow. Praise the Lord. And and you finally got approved. What? Because uh, you still had to go through the whole process again. Is that correct? And <laughs> Yeah, we still I, had to go I through had the to process. resign my job. I had to itinerate, which we had never done before, uh, raise a budget. And uh, go through the whole process of of uh, missionary training, and uh, then go to Tanzania. Yes. And uh, <laughs> do six months of language training. We learned Swahili in Tanzania. Okay. So, uh, but that was the moment that the door opened. Wow. What was it like when you? took the plane to Africa and you stepped off the plane in for in Africa, knowing now it's fine, not completed, you know, not, not it's finished. It's, it's only starting, but what was that moment like for you when you finally get there? Was it relief? Was it everything? Describe that moment to me. What was it like for you, Jackie? Uh, I'll go first. 
it was excitement. It was, I just felt wonderful. And then we went to sleep that night. We were in the missionary's house and he was hosting us. And with jet lag, you know, we woke up, I woke up in the middle of the night. It was totally dark and panic, a sense (laughs) of panic (laughs) filled my heart. And I said, what did we do? (laughs) (laughs) But that was basically, I think that was just because we were, I was so tired because of the jet lag. Because the next morning it was again, a sense of adventure and wow. And everywhere we looked, this is Africa. This is Africa. Those are African kids. This is Africa. I was, I was so excited. Yeah. I might've been, yeah, I might've been like, uh, Lord, I'm extremely grateful, but it's about time. Come on. No, I just, (laughs) (laughs) well, I was, um, I was preoccupied in that moment. There was an earlier moment when I had gone to Africa for the first time on a short term trip. Mm -hmm. Uh, where a missionary had told me that you'll know whether you're called when you get off the plane and the heat from the tarmac comes up and hits you in the face. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and I had gotten off a plane in Africa and the heat from the tarmac came up and hit me in the face. And man, it felt good. I mean, it it felt so right. But that was that was a short term <laughs> trip. When I actually arrived in Tanzania, my panic level was high because I didn't have the right paperwork to get past customs. And the missionary that was going to meet us was late and he was going to bring those papers and they, they wouldn't allow me to go past that point to go look for him. (laughs) So uh, I, I was, I was not thinking big thoughts at that moment. I was just dealing with (laughs) With uh, yeah. the panic of logistics. Mm. Wow. What a journey to get to the mission field. So yeah. what's, what's it like being a missionary? What has it been like? Is it everything you dreamed of? What's the journey been like? The problem with being a missionary is you're still you. I mean, it, it doesn't magically change you into <laughs> a, a, a different person without all your uh, problems and hangups. You don't become holy. <laughs> you don't automatically become holy just because you make it to the mission field. You don't have a, tra- uh, you don't have a transfiguration if you will. Right. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's, yeah. I missed that step somehow. <laughs> so uh, we, we had to uh, go through some difficult stages. I mean, when you, when you hit the mission field and you're in a country where you don't speak the language, uh, whatever your qualifications were. I mean, I was I was the assistant to the executive director at AGWM. I had a PhD, but when I got to Tanzania, I was stripped back down to age two, trying to say, "How are you? How are you? <laughs> where is the bathroom?" Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it it was uh, it was. Humbling, and I expected it to be humbling. What I didn't expect was the identity crisis of feeling so useless, mm-hmm. because I, I was ready to be useful after right. all of this. <laughs> yeah, 
and and uh, there's an identity crisis of just feeling useless uh, when you get there and you can't speak the language and and uh, so it it was uh, I I want to say uh, some of the the most challenging days of my adult life and yet at the same time uh never a sense of i i don't belong here i i shouldn't have come it was a sense of i i know i have to do this even if i fail this is where i'm supposed to be and even if i fail at it i had to try i never would have been happy mm-hmm. staying home and never having tried and and the possibility of failure was real and oh, yeah. palpable, yeah. but but you knew you had to try. Wow. Praise God. So much good stuff we've talked about and we've kind of run a little over what we normally do, but I'm, I'm just hearing so many great things. Let's wrap it up with this. What do you find after all of this, uh, you know, chasing the call of God, chasing missions. What do you find your life anthem or or the message of your life between individually and both between the two of you? What do you find that message, that life anthem now being for you that, that you just want to shout out and, and tell if I could just tell you this after all these years, if you're sitting down with Jeremiah Johnson, whoever it might be, if I could just tell you this, this is what I tell you. For me, it would go back to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and it would be basically trust God. He knows what he's doing. It may not make sense to you, but he knows what he's doing. He loves you more than you can imagine. Just trust him. Hmm. What about you, Bob? David's words, uh, the boundaries have fallen for me in pleasant places. It's a, a sense of God's, uh, God's care and uh, benevolence, and, and he, has, he has a great plan. There are a lot of details, you know, that I'd like to tweak, <laughs> <laughs> but, but he knows what's going on, and I don't. But uh, the overall picture is that... Uh, I'm grateful for the journey he's allowed me to be on. And uh, he's really given me so much more than I deserve. The boundaries have fallen for me in pleasant places. Praise God. Ladies and gentlemen, Bob and Jackie Broswell, missionaries to Africa. What a great story, great journey. And I'm looking forward to meeting you guys in person someday, connecting with you. And for those that, love to do that. Yeah, for those that have listened, now listened to this wonderful podcast, where can people follow you or connect with you further regarding your ministry? Well, our my email address, the easiest one is BB, as in Bob Braswell at agmd.org that's assemblies of god missionary directory agmd.org and uh, that's the best way to get in touch with me i've i've kind of given up checking facebook i'm sorry to say (laughs) 
Yeah, we're not big social media people, unfortunately. Okay. No, no problem. No problem at all. So, hey, you guys have been awesome. This is the Grace Point Daily Podcast, Real Life Stories, Missions Edition. Really grateful for all of you that have listened. Please, I hope you, sh- I hope you take the truths that have come out of it, and I hope you share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening. I will talk to you guys next time.